What is going on? Coach Rudder here, and you are tuned in to the Coach's Corner Podcast. I am your host, Coach Rudder. Today we're going to talk about something that I know is a hot topic right now. And it should be, honestly, that systematic and systemic racism, oppression, and police brutality. And we're going to have an honest conversation about it, going backwards, a little history, some books that I've read, as well as some insight. So hopefully you guys are okay with this. I have wanted to speak on this, but have decided against it for a little while to um, put what I want together succinctly with some clarity. So, um, with so much going on in the world today, I thought I'd talk about racism, how it affects people, how it has affected me in my personal life, as well as um, the term white privilege and the actuality of white privilege in everyday life. I know it's hard for people to digest reality when it's not the reality they want to hear, nor is it the reality that they find themselves in on a daily basis. See, America, we celebrate the past all the time, the Declaration of Independence, the Revolutionary War, 9-11, and so many other things in the past. And it doesn't matter that all of these things took place so long ago when every human being that's on the planet right now was not born yet. But these historical things make us feel good about who we are as Americans, and people want to hold on and cling to that like it's a badge of honor. But you have to look at the flip side of the coin, at the ugly side. And we'll start by saying this, America was built by enslaved people, period. Enslaved people built the US Capitol, built Wall Street, built the White House, little history fact. The young man who, was the architect who helped design pretty much all of Washington, D.C.'s name was Benjamin Banneker. He was born in, uh, I believe, like 1730, 1731, and he died in 1806. Now, what's relevant with that is he was a self-educated mathematician, astronomer. He wrote almanacs, was a writer, and could... um, survey things. So he helped survey pretty much all of the nation's capital. Um, He was also a person who could be considered one of the very first uh, social justice people, uh, social rights, equal rights people. Uh, He has been known and documented for having back and forth letters with Thomas Jefferson, who at the time was the Secretary of State, and saying, you have these ideas that all men are created equal and free, yet here you are, uh, the owner of slaves in your estates. And so um, he basically tried to get Thomas Jefferson to implement some real change, um, and that that never really happened. Uh, It should be noted that he had many published almanacs that long after his death um, carried on and are the basis of a lot of the almanacs that we use today. 
He's also known as the inventor of America's first clock, um, which his clock apparently kept perfect time for well over 40 years without any issues. Um, slavery wasn't just something bad that happened. Um, it was literally what ran this entire country. Every facet from child rearing to building to the economy Americans, white Americans, have profited from forced black labor for centuries. Um, and, and even after um, uh, slavery came to an end in 1865, the government still found a way to um, keep basically the African American population um, in in slavery by something called the Jim Crow laws. And basically what that was, was um, legalized slavery that went for another hundred years. Jim Crow um, was basically a state-sponsored slavery and torment that was intended to keep slavery where it was before the Civil War ever happened. And it wasn't really until the 1960s uh, with the passage of the Voting Rights Act and the um, Fair Housing Slavery, I mean the Fair Housing Act, that slavery and the Jim Crow era uh, laws ended. Now, what uh, a lot of people know um, what the Voting Rights Act was, but what people don't know is the Fair Housing Act was basically um, a decade-long strategy from keeping African Americans from owning their own home. So they would put all these roadblocks in the way to deny them home ownership. Um, so when the Fair Housing Act went into effect, it was kind of the last straw. Um, also, the end of slavery didn't stop former slaveholders from thinking black people as slaves. And the 13th Amendment abolished slavery. If you haven't watched 13 um, on Netflix, you should 100% watch that. Um, but it left a loophole, and the loophole was five words, and those words were accept as punishment for crime. So basically, you could be put back into slavery by fraudulently being arrested, placed back into prison, and forced to work. Now, it's a little side note here. Moving to today's times, I find it odd that a populace such as the black community has a 15% of the population and 52% of the prison rate. That number is astonishing if you really look at what people are in prison for. Um, and states throughout the former Confederacy beginning drafting laws that led to the arrest of black people who were then put back to work sometimes in prisons that were originally the plantations, kind of like, like Angola State Penitentiary. That used to be a plantation. And it's enslaved people yet again. This time, there went from being slavery to being called criminals. The word changed. Nothing else changed along with it. And the roots of today's mass incarceration are in these black codes. Now, black codes are restrictive laws designed to limit the freedom of African Americans and ensure their availability as cheap labor force from after slavery 
until um, it was abolished after the Civil War. Now, through this Union victory, kind of an astonishing number, it gave four million slaves their freedom. Four million slaves. The question of uh, what the post-war South was going to look like really revolved around what would be the workforce. And so these laws got put into place that required the black community to sign yearly labor contracts. If they refused, they were immediately arrested. What happens when you're immediately arrested? Those five words come back into play. Guess what? You get thrown into the penitentiary, a.k.a. the plantation, back into forced labor. It's an insane concept now, but it also opened the door for President Andrew Johnson and the Republican Party to take power. Now, some interesting thoughts. The first enslaved people were sold in America were brought to the Jamestown colony in 1619. That's almost 400 years ago. 400 plus years ago. A lot of people don't like to talk about that. But if we're honestly going to ever have an honest accounting of who we are as Americans, we honestly can't pick and choose what we talk about and what we choose to remember. I don't truly think this country has ever had a true reckoning when it comes to slavery. And we probably can't ever hope to effectively fight for uh, reform when it comes to you know systemic racism and systematic racism until we come face to face and transform what I think is our disgustingly broken criminal justice system and the effects that have come from that. Um, here's something that I should also uh, point out. A lot of people have a hard time talking about slavery at a head-on, just face-to-face -face value. Here's some facts. Slavery was one of the most brutal things you can do to a person. You hear myths like um, Americans have very little understanding of what slavery was really like. They hide with this beautiful reality of, oh, the slave owners were great. They create these benevolent slave owners and it really wasn't all that bad. It happened so long ago, it doesn't affect any of us now. I tell you, the future of our country depends on our ability to embrace the truth about slavery in our history, even the parts that make us look away from embarrassment from the injustices that have been done. I've read a couple books by an amazing author, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, and he says, an American that looks away is ignoring not just the sins of the past, but the sins of the present and certainly the sins of the future. See, looking away should not be an option for any of us. Every citizen, politician, every company, needs to do their part to face the truth, unwavering, unflinching. Now, you can look at the systemic racism portion in every facet of life, and you can see them in our schools, our offices, the court systems, the correctionals, the 
police departments, pretty much anywhere. And it affects things like wealth, employment, education, criminal justice, housing, health care, surveillance, who the police watch. And as someone who understands the existence of the systemic oppression, my silence marks the complicity in all of it. See, if I choose not to speak, I'm tacitly complicit to the entire portion of it. And maybe the easiest road for me when it comes to this is just to remain silent and defer everything to someone else. I mean, if you think about it, I could just say, you know, that's really not my fight. I agree, racism is a problem, but it's someone else's problem. Well, that's not true. Here's the problem. Slavery was such an issue in the past, and the only thing that has changed up to this day is wording on some paper. People will walk past someone, not want anything to do with them because of the color of their skin. People date, they shouldn't be dating that person. They want a job, ah, but he's a thug. People act a fool in the streets, those thugs, this, that, and the other. It's words, but it's not. It is something inbred in people. You choose that hate. You choose to be the person who is okay with all of this racism, with all of the systemic oppression, before we ever get to police brutality. This is before the first time the cop is called. Why is the cop called? Because you're afraid? Possibly. Decades, hundreds of years of this occurring has led us to where we are today. And people are tired of it. People have a voice now more than ever. And at this moment in time, people need to listen more than they talk. You have to open your ears and open your hearts and understand this has been going on for far too long. Do I think that there are some people out there who will never change their ways and be racist for the rest of their life? Absolutely. Do I think some people are killed by people through racial motivation? Absolutely. Is every death racially motivated? I don't think so. But I'm going to tell you, I don't really get to have that opinion in every moment of everything that occurs. Sometimes I should just be quiet and let the facts come out. Not the facts that people want us, the agenda facts, the real facts. I have had great conversations with people and have talked with multiple people about what's going on in America today. Um, on both sides of the political coin, Republican, Democrat, I will openly tell you I am an independent voter. Sometimes I vote with the Democrats because what they want makes sense. Other times with the Republicans. But I don't have this party line where I sway only to my side because that's what the party line does. I vote with what makes sense. And I will tell you right now, there is not a lot of stuff going on that makes sense. People want to be heard. They're tired of police 
killing people that do not deserve to be killed. They are tired of the overall continual gross abuse of power. And not every cop does that. Not every cop is a bad cop. But I am in complete agreement that a complicit cop is one that just stands quietly while someone is doing something they're not supposed to be doing. You cannot witness something and throw your hands up like it didn't happen and didn't exist. Not on my watch. It didn't occur to me. I'm sorry. You got to figure that one out. It is hard at times to stand up and be the bigger person, the person who constantly stands up for what is right. And you will lose friends. You will lose family members. People you've known your entire life will show their true colors. And that is fine. Let them be who they are. You stand up for what is right. You stand up for the person in need. I've heard so many times Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And I've heard people get mad about it. Well, all lives matter. Well, no kidding. I'm going to close with this. I've heard people say Black Lives Matter. And that's the end of it. And then you turn around and hear other people say, well, all lives matter. Well, that's true. All lives do matter. But right now, we're fighting for the black lives. They're the ones that need our help right now. If it was the white lives that were having problems, we would stand up for them. If it was brown, if it was yellow and peach and purple and gold, whatever. Those will be the lives we would be standing up for. I read this somewhere, and someone said this to me a long time ago when I was in the army. And I truly believe this, and I truly live by this. I don't need to walk a step in a black man's shoes ever. Because I'm going to tell you, an enemy of my friend is an enemy of me. So if my friends are having problems and it's racially motivated, I have a problem. Family, true family. I hope this finds you well. I hope you guys are doing okay. And I hope you guys come back next week. Thank you.